Hello and welcome to the fourth and final part at my look at the Fly franchise in 1989's The Fly 2. It came out three years after the uh, cult hit The Fly and set months after uh, the events of The Fly with Ronnie giving birth to a baby human fly which the crew nicknamed Marty Fly as a nod to Back to the Future in which Eric Stoltz was supposed to supposed to play Marty McFly, but was replaced by Michael J. Fox. Ouch. The only cast member to come back from the original cast was John Getz, even though Gina Davis was supposed to reprise her role as Ronnie. However, she refused after her character was killed off, so she was replaced by Saffron Henderson. And with that, and the fact this is a first-time director who barely worked again, who was more known for his special effects, is on with the show. Starring Eric Stoltz, Daphne Zunga, Ray Richardson and John Getz. The plot. Ronnie Queef gives birth to her love child with Seth Bundle, which is half human, half fly. A shady company holds a kid for research purposes, telling him they're after a cure. So can the adult man fly find a cure before it's too late? The movie opens up on the 21st century Fox logo and a fly can be heard buzzing. And this is the start of many, many fly references. Then in flies Anton Bartok, played by Lee Richardson, on a helicopter to the Bartok Laboratories and Complex, as Ronnie Queef, this time played by Saffron Henderson, gives painful birth to a human fly. And I'm getting aliens from this, from the stretching stomach to the almost bursting through parasite, as Strathus Boranis, played once again by John Getz, the only returning actor, looks on trying to get help for Ronnie, but is kicked out of the observation room by the head doctor and security. So dying in childbirth, and no wonder Gina Davis didn't return for this role, she gives birth to a giant maggot, which spews out a baby in some disgusting, if cheap, effects. The opening titles then kick in, and I'm getting Hellraiser from the theme, as an annoying green flywings effects dances across the screen and no wonder David Cronenberg didn't use these for his fly which the original intended for. Once the annoying titles are over we meet Dr Janeway played by Anne-Marie Lee who was the lead doctor that threw out Strathus out of the viewing room with Batok saying she is in charge and only she can answer to him and he answers to one but God setting us up for much later for him to play God. 11 months later Janeway explains to Bartok the child is now growing at an accelerated rate. Also, the child is super smart and has a photographic memory, and he never ever sleeps. Plus, he can be a bit bratty. And with that, Bartok asks to see the child, which I would say looks about three or four, as the kid is pulling around the doctor by his tie. Bartok introduces himself to the kid, Martin, asking if he would call him Daddy. Also, talking about a magic word setting things up for much later. Days later, Martin is now looking 9 or 10 years old as Dr Shepard, played by Frank C. Turner, tries to get his attention to do a maze puzzle with Martin, saying this is far too simple for him and he'd rather finish his experimentations building some sort of helmet with various attachments on it. So Martin does the puzzle in seconds as he finishes his helmet with one hand, which much to the annoyance of Dr. Shepard, and then he turns around and sprays him over his face with some sort of water jet coming from the helmet, setting him up again for later. The next day, a now 12 year old looking Martin 
is getting blood drawn by Dr. Janeway. However, he moves around too much, much to her annoyance. Again, he is a little brat. All the while asking if Bartok will visit him, with Janeway saying, no, he's busy in Zone 4, which he doesn't have clearance for. So, Martin hacks into the computers to give himself a Zone 4 clearance as the guard sleeps. Oh, and note, the book that is on screen is a follow-up story of The Fly, printed years before this movie came out. But the story was never used, and it's just there to... I don't know, a nod to the story, I'm guessing. Martin sneaks into the air ducts while wearing his helmet, which makes him look like a fly, and... It has multiple eyes and to such, so therefore I'm guessing the, the designs want to make it look like a fly, but hey I'm also getting a lot of aliens from this as he's crawling through the air ducts, but hey that's another alien reference down for you. Anyway, he gets into Zone 4 where he finds a bunch of flies in a tank, which he touches and it brings them all to his handprint. But more importantly, he finds a golden Labrador dog, which he makes friends with it. The next day, he sneaks down to see it with part of his dinner, but it's transferred to another lab in which the pods are sitting waiting for him to waiting for it to be teleported. As Martin walks into the viewing room with no one noticing, I mean come on, how the hell can you not notice a nine or ten year old boy wandering around with this huge helmet stuck to his head? Yeah, moving on. As the Hellraiser music swells and once again I'm getting Hellraiser from this bloody movie. Whew. So they teleport the dog from one pod to another, however it comes inside out and deranged as it bites the fingers off a doctor while Martin screams and runs into the arms of Bartok years later. And Martin is now 5, looking about 25, played by Eric Stoltz. He blows out his birthday candles, wishing for his privacy, which Bartok grants him, saying he has to say the magic word handing him an empty bottle of champagne, which Martin throws through the two-way mirrors. Bartok then takes Martin to an apartment on site, saying there is no more mirrors, no more peeping eyes, and no more cameras. Also, he offers him a job, which he takes after he teleports an apple, which comes inside out. With Bartok saying, Martin is as brilliant as, a, as his father was, or maybe even more so, and maybe he could unlock the secrets of how to make this thing work. Martin saying he hates the pods, with Bartok saying it's because of the dog, wasn't it? He said it doesn't suffer long as it didn't live long. Also saying Seth left tapes for him to watch. So after watching the tapes, which are huge and not Betamax tapes, which they're supposed to be from the original movie, we see new footage of Seth Brando, once again played by Jeff Goldblum, in unused footage from The Fly and a voiceover from Safra Henderson in a new dialogue never said by Gina Davis as this is supposed to be the same footage she recorded just after Seth goes through the first time which clearly isn't. After watching the tapes, Martin decides to take on the project and teleports a telephone which comes out perfect. We then meet Scurby, played by Gary Chalk who is playing for Stun Gun as Martin look for something a living to teleport. It is here we meet Beth Logan, played by Daphne Zunga, who I knew from Mel Brooks' spoof Spaceballs, the first time I watched this movie, who is using a fishing fly to get a computer tape. A really movie? A fishing fly? How very subtle is that? And just another bloody fly reference then. Which Martin catches in his bare hands and she reels him in. Just like that, they fall in love. So he takes her cactus and shows off his quote greatest invention in mankind's history which he teleports the cactus turning it inside out. Unimpressed she walks off. Really love? 
You've just seen a cactus get teleported 15 feet and get turned inside out, and all you can do is walk away with a snark. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So he chases after her and makes a dinner date with her for the next night as the security guard whips and smirks at him. The next day, Janeway takes blood again with Martin saying he has slept for two hours the night before. But she seems unimpressed and wow, she is a great scientist here because this is a new thing. She's now five years old and it's the first time he slept ever and she's not impressed with us. Wow, great doctor she is. So snapping a needle in his arm and some disgusting 80s effects as blood splots everywhere. That night, forced love story alert, Martin and Beth are dancing. Then in kicks a montage because it wouldn't be an 80s movie without a bloody montage. Of them are running tests and her teaching him to be more human. All the while a cheesy country western song plays in the background. So she invites him to a party which she goes to during during which he overhears a group of scientists talking about Martin's dog, which is still alive and nicknamed Timex because, quote, it takes a licking, but it keeps on a ticking. And this bodysuit is truly disgusting, and I believe this is the director's brother inside it. So, tearfully, Martin runs off as Beth looks on in utter disgust, as you should. He storms off and revokes her clearance and then sneaks off to kill it. So Martin decides to scan himself in one of the pods for no fucking reason. The next night, he leaves a rose on Beth's desk with a note saying abracadabra on it with a pass key. So she goes down to his lab and the two make up. He shows her a kitten, which he teleports ignoring Beth's protests and it goes out perfectly fine. Just like that, they make love. Jay's love. I mean, you know him for less than a month. And I know in this day and age, that's like an eternity, but in 1989, that was nothing. Also, isn't she making love to a five-year-old child? I mean, I know he looks 20-odds, but come on, he's still five. Isn't that statutory rape? Dear, oh dear. So the next morning, she wakes Martin up, and she finds his wound is now heavily infected. So he goes to the computer and asks if it is possible to remove the fly DNA, with the computer saying no. Then he asks if it is, if the DNA can be replaced which it says, yes, setting things up for much, much later. While sitting at his computer, Martin pokes at the infection site and pulls out a thread in some real disgusting scenes. So he goes to Dr. Shepard, who tries to give him an injection of antibiotics, but he refuses. Listening to a recording of this, Janeway and Bartok cook something up for much later. That night, Beth tries to get to her workstation. However, Scurby tells her she no longer works there and is in fact in day shift across town. She also hands him a tape of her and Martin making love. So that night, both Martin and Beth try to call each other, however, the Bartok system won't allow them. So Martin jerry-rigs a telephone and finally calls Beth, with her telling him Bartok knows about them and the tape of them making love. So Martin storms off and trashes his flat, finding the cameras hidden behind some speakers. Security then calls Bartok to tell him Martin knows just as Martin kicks the door down and the guards run off. Punching in reference codes, he watches clips from various recordings until he finds the recordings of him and Beth together and finally of Seth explaining to Ronnie what happened to him with the first time he went through and his failed experiments. Bartok walks in saying at least the truth is out there now and Martin's injections were nothing but a placebo and they cannot stop him changing into a manfly. With Bartok explaining his grand plan that he wants to control what people look like in the future, 
of him playing God at will. Upon hearing this, Martin runs off with the facility on lockdown. He faces off against Scurvy and his men, with Scurvy getting picked up and thrown through a window with one hand by Martin, who then runs off. When Bartok tries to run Martin's computer, he finds it is password protected and booby-trapped with one wrong word, and it will wipe itself. Running to Beth's houseboat, I really love you live in a houseboat, jeez. He breaks in with her finally seeing just how bad Martin's face looks. With him saying they planned this all along, wanted to change him into a manfly, with him asking her for help. So just then, Scurby and his men show up and break in. However, Martin and Beth are on the road to meet Strathus again. All the while, the Hills music is playing, something I may look at in Halloween, or as I'm going to call it, Halloween. Arriving at Strathus's home, he first chases them away. However, they break in, with John Getz wearing some terrible old age makeup and a false beard. He tells him Seth's plan was to fuse both him and Ronnie into one body, and his only way out was a shotgun to the head, saying that's Martin's only way out also. However, he then says the answer is in the pods. He hands him his, his keys to his jeep, and the two of them drive off. During the ride, Beth asks why he can't use the pods, with him saying he would have to kill someone in order to do so. Before she could get him a room, Martin runs off, so she chases after him, saying she won't leave him, and in fact she loves him, with Martin looking like a prepubescent Freddy Krueger. Later that night, Beth wakes up to see Martin in an airlock cocoon state, saying he's greatly more powerful now as he pulls out his eyeball. So grossed out, Beth runs off and calls Bartok. They show up and take him away in a more advanced cocoon. They take him back to the the labs where he's in his final cocoon, with Janeway saying he's a week before his final transformation. After Beth gets hosed down for quote decontamination reasons, as Scurby looks on perfectly, he takes her to Bartok where he asks her for the magic word, which she says she doesn't know. Meanwhile, Martin hatches from his cocoon in which the production crew nicknamed Marty Fly, and he kills Janeway. Then Shepard finds Janeway's dead body and runs off to find security. As Beth tries to escape Bartok's questioning, she runs into Scurby who tells Bartok Martin has killed Janeway. With the facility on lockdown, the movie rips off Aliens, a movie I'll be covering in August. As the trapped Marty Fly jumps down to show its body, much like the alien queen does in Aliens. In fact, this puppet looks a hell of a lot like an alien queen to me. So, Marty Fly hunts down Shepard, tries to use his passcode to get into the lab, however, it's on lockdown so it doesn't work. A guard finds them in the hallway and gets acid on the face. And what is it with the 80s and melting people's faces off? I mean, that's just every freaking movie does this almost. Moving on. Once the guard's face has melted off, Marty Fly runs away from the security team as he finds way into the lab by using the air ducts. Yet another ripoff of aliens. Just then, Marty Fly jumps through the observation deck window as Scurby shoots him with Bartok shouting no he wants him kept alive. With Beth tackling the unsecured guard which Marty Fly kills and lift by crushing his head almost getting this an X rating and getting it an 18 from the BBFC. Running and hiding, Marty Fly is stopped by Scurby so Marty Fly gets a rope on him and melts his hand off. Once emptying his clip into a doctor, Marty Fly comes behind Scurby and Benson backwards killing him. Gotta say, this is some great puppet, the Marty Fly is. 
and it doesn't, I think that's what most of the budget ones actually was on these puppets. So getting Scurvy's handgun, Bartok shoots Marty Fly, who is playing possum, Marty Fly gets Bartok to come get the kill shot, however Marty Fly grabs his wrist, breaking it and forcing him to type in the magic word, which believe it or not is dad, it's a great security word there. So dragging them both into the pod, he gets Beth to start his program, which she does as both Bartok and Marty Fly fuse, with Martin come out whole and Bartok getting the Fly genes, with Bartok Fly being kept as a science project as a Hellraiser music plays, the camera zooms on a fly as credits roll. So that was The Fly 2, a typical 80s sequel which isn't as good as original, however does have some great effects and some great puppet work, but is a bad story by the numbers, so I'm going to give this thing a 4 out of 10. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, all lowercase, and email me movies you want to cover if what I'm doing is not your cup of tea to here's Johnny's reviews at gmail.com. Don't forget to come back in August where we'll look at Aliens, Labyrinth, Doctor Who movie, and Scream. Then it's September and doing Psycho. Bye.